On today's show, our all-gay panel reviews Elton John biopic Rocketman and discusses gay icons who've impacted our lives. What up, what up, listeners? Welcome to You Better Represent podcast, proudly part of the Sonar Network. Each week, we explore representation in cinema by reviewing a minority-led film and debate a cultural topic plucked from the movie's themes. Joining me for today's show is award-winning filmmaker and comedian Robert Watson. Hello! I've got the glitter, I've got the glasses, I've got the receding hairline. I am ready to talk about Elton John. (laughs) (laughs) Oh my goodness, for those who are listening to this on audio and not seeing the video on YouTube, um, definitely try and check out our YouTube channel um, to see the fabulousness that Robert is... um, is uh, garbed in today. Um, we we also have a super special guest and host of the You Made Me Queer podcast, Trevor Campbell. Hi, my hairline has receded so far; uh, it's straight off of my head. <laughs> Gorgeous! So I am ready to fit in. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, and um, I'm and uh, my hairline is doing much better since I've been able to get a haircut, um, which has been. <laughs> So it's, it's, it felt like, you know, when you, when you're, it doesn't sound really gross, but you know, when you like, um, when you have to really go to the washroom and it, it takes a really long time. And then when you finally get to go pee, it feels really good. Um, that's how my hair sure. felt. I know. Well, like, you shaved your head once too, this earlier in the I, pandemic, you, you actually shaved your head. Yeah, I, I, I did. I just couldn't take my hair anymore. Um, how did it look? Did you like it? And why did you stop? It was terrible, um, <laughs> and I think it looked. For me, I, I stopped it because I, you know, not to not to start the um, the podcast off. Well, I already started off on a creepy note. Now I'm going to start off okay. on a sad note. Is um, the only time that like Asians usually shave their head is when somebody dies, and then you have to go into like one month of silence and meditation oh um, to mourn them. So I kind of associated my shaving my head with like mourning the dead so uh, i yeah. really only wow. i really only did it because i just couldn't i just couldn't take having no hair anymore um but okay anyway now that i wait both- before you go i can relate to this because the first time <laughs> and by the way i did not know this was going to be on video oh, no. so i would be in full hair and makeup if i had known just imagine but i was living in japan <laughs> i lived in east asia in japan for four years and the first time I shaved my head, I was living in Japan, mm. and I, people would come up to me and they were like, what happened? And mm. I was like, oh, you know, it's, I just thought I'd try something new. I cut my hair, and they were like, no, but what happened? <laughs> and I was like, huh? And then finally I heard it happens in Japan for a lot of different yeah. reasons, but it is linked to like sometimes shame oh. or mourning or oh. uh, all sorts of things, none of which I feel. <laughs> But at the time, I was very confused. Oh, there you go. There you go. Um, Okay, so now uh, jumping. uh, Thank you for that anecdote. Sorry, I'm terrible at transitions, especially when I when I bring bring the mood down with uh, death and uh, and and creepiness. But um, it's okay. This there's no shame here. (laughs) There's no shame. This there's no shame in this movie either. There's actually a lot of shame. That's not true. You know this this movie. So. 
you know, so just, just a bit of background on the movie. It is called Rocket Man. It came out in 2018. It's a biographical musical fantasy drama film based on the life and music of British musician and gay icon Elton John. It was directed by Dexter Fletcher, written by Lee Hall, and it was executive produced by Elton John himself, so he, he did get final say. He, um, it was originally with a, different, um, with a different company, and he had creative differences, so he kind of shut it down. And then he yeah. executive produced it himself with his husband, uh, David Furnish, as yeah. the new producer. Um, and Canadian, they, David Furnish. Yes, absolutely. Um, and uh, it was produced through their company, Rocket Pictures. It stars Taryn Edgerton as Elton John, Jamie Bell as Bernie Topin, Richard Madden as John Reed, and Bryce Dallas Howard as John Elton's mom. So just a bit on the representation, you know, on this show, we do, we look at representation for different types of movies. Obviously this week is queer representation. Other weeks it's like visible minorities. Obviously with visible minorities, it's a bit easier to tell the representation. So with the gay (laughs) queer movies, we usually have to guess. So I always give a disclaimer. If I am wrong, just put it in the comments, let me know. But from what I can tell, you know, at least there's representation from Elton John himself and his husband. Um, none of the principal cast or the director are queer from what I can tell from brief glance on their Wikipedia. Um, Although principal cast, would you include uh, Richard Madden, who is like the conniving manager slash boyfriend? Um, yeah, I guess. I guess he was he was in there. Does he identify as LGBTQ? People, yeah, so there's sort of a lot. He's one of those folks who has done a few roles where he plays someone queer. Mm. um, And people have asked him specifically, and his answer, he takes the tack of like, my personal life is my personal life, so I'm not talking about it. Mm. Which to me reads a bit Mm. queer. And also, uh, you know, he's, I don't know, he he, the way he kisses a man (laughs) (laughs) makes me think he doesn't hate it. Yeah, you know. If that's the case, I'm not really impressed, to be quite honest. Because mm-hmm. nowadays we need our queer people to come out. And if that's the case, then uh, Richard Madden, just come the heck out right before the Eternals movie comes out. <laughs> no, that, that, that'd be fabulous. And um, this, and, and speaking of, uh, of Richard Madden in, and the way he um, kisses on screen, um, in terms of representation, <laughs> this film is credited as being the first film by a major studio to, a, to include a gay male sex scene. This is according to The Hollywood Reporter. Um, I, I, I guess they're not including uh, Brokeback Mountain as a major studio film. I, I'm not really sure. Yeah, also, I don't buy it at no. all. <laughs> like, we all watch the film, right? Yeah. yeah. What yeah sex scene that's sort of the point, about? yeah. <laughs> yeah. What, what sex scene? There's, like, passionate kissing, and then, like, in silhouette, we see them on a bed, but... And then the raising of the camera to the window, like the yeah. classic... But, uh, but even that was too much for Russia, apparently, because the Russian censors cut that scene. I know. And, I and something that made Elton John oh, very angry. Oh. But uh, I think that was just used as a, basically like a PR ploy. Like this right, <laughs> never before seen gay sex scene in a mainstream film. I agree. Brokeback was way more explicit. Mm-hmm. And you, maybe you could say that's an indie film, but I don't think so. Not the way it was I, released. Yeah. It's by classification of the studio, I think. Okay. So what it is is that this was a big money studio spending big, big money, like hundreds of millions of dollars on a 
you know, unapologetically gay storyline. And whereas Broken Mountain, of course, uh, you know, unapologetically gay, uh, but it was definitely a smaller movie that it was, it, you know, that that was released during the time where the, the smaller studios were really working the Oscars and awards festival. So sometimes it made those smaller studios seem bigger than they were. Mm. So like, I agree. It's like sort of like yes and, and no at the same time, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, yeah. I think so. Yeah, it's, <laughs> It's it's definitely it's definitely tricky. Um, when I was looking it up, I if, if it was by another source, I would have kind of you know this is why I, I definitely put the source in it because I I, I, I do mm. kind of have like separate feelings. But, you know, Hollywood Reporter has reported it, and I'll I'll just leave it at that. Whether whether um, um okay. it is send your uh, emails there. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I I definitely I definitely have feelings on on that. Um. Now, uh, you know, now moving past representation, obviously we'll still talk about representation as we uh, review the film, but let's let's start with Robert. And uh, Robert, what was your experience watching uh, Rocket Man as a gay man? Uh, it was very gay. Uh, <laughs> so for for me, I when we're talking about like as a gay man watching, for me, one of the biggest stars of the movie, and rightfully so, was the music mm-hmm. and the costumes and the way that the costumes uh, were so reflective of what Elton John actually wore at the time. Uh, and it was like just so fantastic replicas. And if, if anything, they were even more colorful. Uh, it was def- definitely a feast for the eyes. Yeah. Uh, at the same time, I, I have a hard time thinking of this as a biography film simply because it's just, there's just so much gay fantasia going on in, <laughs> in this, you know, it's like, uh, and I, one thing I found, found interesting is it was always when they needed some sort of transition to get to a, the next mm. part of the movie, the next sort of like biography part. Um, then they would be like, oh, well, let's have him rocket into space. And then he's in the plane and he's in the next scene. And I was like, okay. I mean, I, I see you're like sort of trying to Moulin Rouge some of this stuff up, but uh, mm. it felt the juxtaposition was a little bit jarring for me in that, in that respect. It's like, are you a biography, a true biography pick or are you Mm. going into that Fantasia realm? And I felt like that decision wasn't necessarily made. Mm. Uh, I mean, you can be both, I guess, but uh, I, you know, when you take it for what it is, like I went into it the first time I watched it, wanting to watch a biopic. And instead I got like this fantasy stuff that I was like, I'm I'm not Mm. sure I feel how I feel about it watching it for the second time for the podcast, I was like, oh, you know what? I can just go along for the ride and really enjoy this for what it is. And, you know, the sort of sort of weird bits that they throw in where, you know, walking through the hippie compound, which is so obviously a soundstage uh, and things like that. I'm just like, I'm going to forgive this because I'm having fun. So I sort of sort of did. Okay, thank you, Robert. And... Uh... <laughs> <laughs> And uh, over to over to you, Trevor. What was your experience watching this movie? Uh, so this is the first time I'd seen it, and I really didn't know what to expect. In my mind, it was it came out sort of in the same zeitgeist ish as Bohemian Rhapsody, mm. which I had mm-hmm. sort of more knowledge of and specific feelings towards. Yeah. Um, so I expected something similar. Um, but yeah, like to Robert's point, definitely pretty quickly I realized this is sort of a musical, really, mm-hmm. like a pseudo musical, which as soon as that, you know, that suspension of disbelief happened, I mean, that first shot with, it's like, as soon as it starts and it's like this ghost choir singing Yellow Brick Road, and then we have like Baby Elton on a tricycle with this little like, this cute little like toddly wave, I was, the, I felt like the style was consistent. Uh, 
so so that didn't bother me in the same way. What? Sorry, Vaughn, what's your question? What? How did I feel about the representation? No, 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 just like how... Oh, what did I think? No, yeah, just sort of just sort of what you thought of the movie. I, it was just more like what was the experience of watching the movie. But that Got includes it. like what, what you think of the movie. Sorry, I already started. Uh, I went off the rails. I, <laughs> I, I liked it. I actually liked it a lot. Um, I love, I really like the music. So that was something I knew that I was going to be in for. I thought they did cool things. I think it was great casting. Like... He really just looked mm. so much like Elton John. It was kind of eerie yeah, sometimes. And he sang all of the parts. So as far as like someone, I think, who fit the role in those capacities, yeah. I think the casting overall was great. I think the style was cool too because it was very, for like a musical, the choreography sort of and some of the tonal choices felt very like Who's Tommy? Or, where it was just like British lads kind of like in a musical number but mm -hmm. it still kind of captured that world a little bit it did get a bit to a lot cliche at certain parts but mm -hmm. because we were already in music theater musical theater territory <laughs> none of like i turned all my raiders off as soon mm -hmm. as that happened and i was like i'm not checking for accuracy or reality this is all <laughs> larger than life um, and also those, like the production was just money, money, money. So like the oh costumes God. were fantastic. Um, Bryce Dallas Howard is the mom. I oh. was like, who is that? And then uh, as soon as I realized it was her, she was just so great. I love yeah. her so much. Her accent left a little bit to be desired in places, but <laughs> sure, yeah. that's, I'm a stickler, I'm a stickler for that. I'm like, it's weekend, not weekend. Well, you know, where I'm is like, she from originally? Oh, she's she's an American gal. I'm pretty she? sure. Yeah, she's yeah. she's Ron Howard's daughter, so I feel like she grew up in and around LA. Oh my god! I understand. She's super talented. She directed some of the Mandalorian. Like oh, she directed yeah. a couple episodes of that. Even she like she's incredibly multi-talented. Yeah. I just she's, thought her accent was off. That's fair. That's fair. So yeah, we'll deduct some points, judges. But her, she's also got a face. She's got an Anna Taylor Joy like Queen's Gambit face, where you're like, yeah. you are made out of modeling clay. And you look fake. You, she's just so pristine. Yeah. Yeah. No, definitely. Definitely. I, I, I love the acting. I love Bryce Dallas Howard. I love Taryn Edgerton. All, I always loved Jamie Bell ever since he, yes. I think I first saw him. What a great in, job uh, he did. He, he Billy was Elliot. Billy Elliot. Yeah. Yes, yeah. he was. Yeah. Which is funny because the first chapter of this movie had a lot in common with Billy Elliot. Mm -hmm. Up to the audition. Yeah, yeah, you know there there was definitely shades shades of that of finding a prodigy and um, and and all. Oh, and that's that's very interesting to say because of course Billy Elliot the stage musical is was mm -hmm. you know had El had Elton John uh, song like it was all the songs were written by Elton John the music it, so that, what an interesting influence that's a that's a really good thing to point out I think that how that may have influenced the movie. Yeah, yeah. Def definitely. Um, uh, my, my experience watching this, it's kind of interesting. I've seen this multiple times, and today I sort of put on in the background. So I've, I've, seen it, I've seen it a bunch of times. <laughs> but it is kind of a movie that works in the background because it's kind of visually exciting, and then the music comes on, and then when it's like one of my favorite songs... Um, I just sort of, uh, I, I sort of stop and watch. I, I agree with Trevor. I, I love the, the re-recordings from, you know, yeah. you know, from obviously um, um, from, from, um, from uh, Taron Edgerton. 
but also the rest of the cast, because there's different songs where the rest of the cast have to have to sing little parts here and there as well. And like Elton John has such a distinct voice mm-hmm. that I didn't know how it was going to go over, but they they did a pretty good job. And it was, you know, it was yeah. reminiscent of Elton, but you could tell they weren't just like mimicking him either, because that that would be like a total disaster. Because that at that point, if you're going to mimic him, then just you know play the originals. So yeah. I, I did like that they had, sure. you know, they sort of sang in character, um, which 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 is really great. I I. You know, one thing I really look at in movies is sort of like the narrative frame and especially um, for for a biopic where you're covering all the way from his childhood all the way, you know, not quite up to his, his current life, but, you know, through most of his <coughs> career, you know, to take the narrative frame of, you know, what was it, like an AA meeting or a, a similar type of therapy yeah, totally that vibe. kind of session meeting um i thought that was a really interesting direction to go because i feel like when you're trying to piece this together and try and figure out you know how the movie weaves in and out choosing that as a narrative frame was was pretty interesting um Mm -hmm. and yeah and then using the music to transition um between different scenes and different eras i i I thought that that was great it's just you know like elton john has lived such a life that it would be impossible to really put um a a a totally cohesive narrative together but i i feel Mm -hmm. like i feel like that's why making it more of like an ethereal experience as opposed to like you know a more traditional plot heavier plot driven movie yeah yeah. i i think Mm -hmm. i think that was right because you know yeah also i feel like it depends on what what everyone's expectations coming into this was and for me I wanted, you know, a little bit different from, say, Mamma Mia, but I wanted to feel like a Mamma Mia. I wanted to come in and celebrate <laughs> Elton John, you know. And if it was loose, obviously Mamma Mia is not based on Abba's life, but, you know, just the idea of, like... <laughs> Can you imagine? <laughs> that was their lives. <laughs> That's, That's a way better interpretation of that film. <laughs> yeah, I, what I really liked, too, was the use of Elton John's songs and how they didn't go chronological because actually mm-hmm. probably um, one of his very last big hits was the first song um, that mm-hmm. uh, I want love. I, that was definitely way in the later <laughs> stages of his career, but that was like the first song that they used. Um, and he, I, I, I kind of, I, what I loved was I, I felt like it gave me a viewpoint into those songs um, because I'm such a huge Elton John fan and I knew every song that was already in there. I listened mm-hmm. to his album um, over and over, well, all his albums over and over. So just to see the interpretation, like one of my favorite songs of his ever is Yellow Brick Road. And just to see the interpretation where they applied that to to Bernie Taupin, like, you know, leaving him. I was like, I don't know if that's what the actual song was about, but I was like, that's an interesting interpretation. And knowing that mm-hmm. Elton John approved where each song went and what it meant gave me a little bit more background uh, because some of the lyrics in the songs can be a little bit, <laughs> um, you know, hard to interpret, which is mm-hmm. great because it lets other people interpret it. But to sort of see at least one interpretation 
that had Elton John's hands on it, I, I thought was I thought was really interesting. I think that's a really cool point because me too, like for, for a lot of this, even if it's through like the dentist's office waiting room, like we hear the, we've heard these songs so many times in our lives, like they're just sort of ubiquitous. And like you said, Vong, like lyrics that are, like, even if you know them, like mm-hmm. they just sound like, you know, sort of over the top or fanciful and maybe you don't really piece together the narrative. But like you, I had a few aha moments when, Mm. seeing how they overlay them with certain scenes or what was happening dramatically i was like oh i wonder if that is actually about that uh which was really cool for me because now i'm going to think about those songs in a different way the next time i'm at the dentist office (laughs) (laughs) um now in in terms of um yeah i'll I'll open it up i'll open it up now um to anyone who wants to jump in but was it were there any other parts of the movie that resonated with you or um that gave you some type of emotional reaction whether positive or negative well uh for me uh i would say that um excuse me what was that for me (laughs) i gotta i gotta do some like like sort of like vocal exercises before podcasts i think (laughs) uh but uh but for me uh your song was one of the more Mm. still moments of the movie because all of the, all the songs uh, tended to go into a fantastical uh, area every time uh, that they broke into song, except for really quite specifically, it was a very still moment during your song. And of course that's a, a very specific choice to make and a wise choice because it is his most famous song, arguably. Uh, and that just watching that and, and how they filmed that with, you know, having Jamie Bell's character, uh, Bernie Taupin come in and just watch and it's just he's just watching his lyrics become in become this song, yeah. and just how it emotionally made everyone stop in their tracks in the house and, and just like look and watch what's going on. That quite honestly, watching Jamie Bell as Bernie react to seeing his words brought to life was it brought tears to my eyes watching that. Uh, it was it was one of those quieter moments uh, of the movie that I found very effective uh, emotionally. So that, that was probably one of my favorite moments when it came to the music, beyond the spectacle. You had, like, just juxtaposed to mm-hmm. all the spectacle, uh, spectacle. It was very... That's what caused me to have the emotions, you know, those quiet, that quiet moment. I liked... Um, I really liked that moment, too. One that stuck out with me, I thought they had a lot of cute moments between adult Elton and inner child Elton, sort of. Mm-hmm. Like, one that sticks out in my mind is when he... Um, basically like overdoses and goes into the pool and then he's going down to like the darkness of this deep water and it expands out and then we see little tiny Elton in like a child-sized diving costume with <laughs> like a glass bubble around his head playing at like a little um is it Linus the one from Charlie Brown who plays the piano or is that Schroeder anyway like a child-sized Schroeder, yeah. Schroeder child-sized piano because so much of it was about you know, as someone who's been to a lot of therapy uh, and loves therapy, just seeing that idea of like the the child size wounds you're trying to fix, mm. especially as queer people. I mean, maybe some of you had great childhoods and here, here, congratulations. Uh, you win. But, um, you know, a lot of the work you do is is like healing, going back to those parts of you where you feel for, not loved or whatever, and seeing that done in such an art, uh, you know, a big way, a way that works on film in a fantasy film like this, I thought was really clever. Also, that kid is cute as heck. Where did they find that? Yeah. <laughs> oh my goodness. 
yeah, and even the so there were two there are two different children uh, playing. There's like super young Elton, and then mm-hmm. there was sort of like ten, eleven year old uh, Elton. Or I, guess, I guess Reggie at the time because that was yeah, that yeah. was his name. Uh, and I thought uh, you know when they transitioned to when uh, Taryn takes over, I really I did really like the the talent of that child that was that was playing the piano and starting the song and started the the whole Saturday nights all right for fighting sequence. Uh, I actually would have liked to have seen more of that song done with the the child actor personally. Cause I was like, I, I love seeing all this mayhem going around this child singing about how Saturday night's all right for fighting. I thought that was, that was such a, an interesting choice. I, I wished it went on for, for longer. Uh, but maybe, I don't know, maybe I, I like the idea of children singing about bar fights. I don't know. <laughs> That's right. Tell us more, Robert. Uh, what did I witness as a child? I know. <laughs> uh. Yeah, it's, for me, it was interesting because the things that that stuck out um, were more of the sad parts. I mean, in my brain, it was just gravitating toward the sad parts. But his relationship with his mom um, was mm. definitely bittersweet. Um, yeah. You know, especially that, that last conversation um, where uh, he's older and his mom says that she never should have had him. I don't know why that <sighs> stuck with me. It opens. I I don't even know what wound it opened because I've got a great relationship with my my mom. So I was like, I don't I don't know why I'm like crying over this whole scene about his mom not wanting to have him because I was like, I'm pretty sure my mom wanted to have me, but for some reason this is like really touching me. Um, and then I think the stuff with with his manager, the the John Reed character that Richard Madden played. Mm-hmm. Um, Although with that one, it affected me a bit less because from what I understand, that's not like a real person, I think, or maybe it was, but I feel like it was like a combination of multiple real life people into one character. Um, mm. So it sort of hit less for, whereas I feel like the mom, like, you know, that might've been like a real Elton John memory um, of what his mom actually said. Quite so likely. I was like, oh, that's, 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 you know, that's, that's pretty tragic. I, I do like to that, you know, like Elton John didn't you know i'm sure they could have like portrayed him even worse but i feel like he he allowed them to portray him pretty you know he he didn't come out the cleanest um in some of these uh in some of these scenes either of how he treated bernie um you know how he treated his uh his 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 wife although from what i understand she she was really mad she um she uh she i, I think she sued the movie or sued elton after this really? as, as part of their divorce um he wasn't supposed to ever talk about it again but then he opened up a little bit more about it um and it wasn't just for this movie it was like for the book that this movie was based on so it was just sort of like a couple things so um, she she definitely wasn't super happy with being mentioned, but I can see like with Elton John, it's like you know, the divorce was a long time ago, and if you're writing your autobiography or making a biopic, it's sort of tough to not mention that you're yeah. married to a woman at some point. Totally. Yeah, I'm like I'm like girl, I don't know. Maybe Elton give give her some more money, but uh, I I can definitely see why he like reneged on the idea of I'm not going to talk about it um, because. Like, if, if you didn't talk about it, people would be like, wait a minute, you forgot to mention you were married to a woman. Like, yeah, that's incredibly no, really weird. Sorry, yeah. go ahead. And no, and no name changes in this case then either, I guess. I mean, because, I mean, it was already seen in the news. Everyone knew. So to change the name would have been uh, right. redundant. 
But, uh, oh, that's so interesting. But I guess, I mean, I guess she got a payout for it then at least. I mean, it is an agreement. If you sign some sort of contract and you break it, uh, I mean, I think Elton John can afford breaking that agreement as well, which is probably why he was like, screw this shit. And then just is like, I'm going to put on my tiara and talk all about you, you know? (laughs) Um, Oh, cool. Oh, oh, sorry. Go ahead, Trevor. Oh, no, I was, I was going to ask something, but maybe you're saving it. Oh no no! no. Um, I, I was gonna I was gonna actually I was gonna wrap up the, wrap up the review in the first segment. By, <laughs> wrap by, up. By, Shut by, this by, thing down. <laughs> no, I was just gonna throw it out and say. So maybe I'll go to I'll go to you, Trevor. Uh, are there any last um, last comments uh, before we uh, wrap up the review? Yeah, I have two things. So one, uh, and these are both related to Bohemian Rhapsody, which I have also seen, and sort mm-hmm. of other films too. One is I think a lot of queer cis men specifically in films like this they they you know when they go through trauma or there's some period there's some sequence where it's like they give in too much to pleasure and pleasure is you know represented by sex certainly but also drugs and a wild lifestyle and they kind of conflate the whole thing where it's just like this is all bad and it's giving in and blah 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 like this happens in bohemian rhapsody in the sequence where he's having you know uh like darkroom sex or dangerous sex and that sort of thing. And then later they recant and they're like, I can't do this anymore and be bad anymore. But it's, it's like, yeah, maybe stop doing uh, cocaine at 9am. But then they link it to like, they're kind of actually also (laughs) acting like, and you know, sex is bad or gay sex or I feel like they link them in a problematic way. But what I liked about this movie is that they started to do that. And then Elton was like, at his AA group, when we go back to that conceit, he's like, yeah, I had sex with everyone and it was great. And it was, I had, you know, pleasure is okay. So I like not demonizing pleasure, which a lot of queer movies do. But then the other thing I think we, uh, has to be addressed is a straight man was playing Elton John, which I know there was controversy about. And there was a lot of controversy about that with, Bohemian Rhapsody. So, how do you both feel about that? Uh, I definitely, for sure. This is the difference between when someone's alive and their biopic is being made, and when someone's dead and some other members that have a stake or interest in how a story is told to reflect on them or their view of the band. So I think uh, when we look at something like Bohemian Rhapsody, we go, Freddie Mercury's not able to tell his story from his point of view. So we get some sort of version that someone has decided, has decided. And, uh, I mean, and in the case of Bohemian Rhapsody, really, uh, from what I know, next to no queer input in the making of the film, the, the band queen made sure of that. It seems, Mm -hmm. uh, I may be talking a little bit out out of turn, but so, but in comparison, you know, when you have, uh, Elton John saying, this is my story, this is how I want it told, yeah, I'm going to fly like a rocket into space as, uh, as part of it, but that's what I want, he gets to tell his story his way, and I think that may be a reason why we see a difference in how, how sex was portrayed between the two films. Um, but you're, I mean, you're, you're 100% right, Trevor, that the way they, uh, the way they punish gay sex in movies is something that needs to change. It's crazy. Yeah, you know, my, my viewpoint on straight actors playing gay characters is, you know, and, you know, obviously one of our missions on this podcast is called Do Better Represent. So we are trying to, like, push representation. We always mention, you know, who's who of the creatives um, are, are queer or representing that minority group. 
So, you know, it's obviously a very important thing. I think with this one, I give it a bit more of a pass because of how involved Elton John was and his husband were in, in, in like the, in, in the, um, in the making of the film and they had final say. So for me, it's more about like, for representation, it's more about like who has like the creative power and obviously the lead actors and such definitely have that, that type of power. But, but usually, usually, you know, what we've seen in, in the past is there's, there's just no representation at all, like in front of or behind. Now, the other thing I will say too is, you know, I, I, I do think I won't give it a total pass. I, I'll give it a little bit of a pass. So I won't give it a total pass because I feel like, you know, there, there's this whole argument about, you know, everybody should be able to play everything. And, you know, that's great to say, but it really only applies to straight people because straight people can play everything. But in Hollywood, there's still a big thing, as we mentioned with, with Richard Madden. You know, he's not really comfortable saying what he is. There's other people we know who have come out and after they came out, like, say, a Rupert Everett, you know, used to get all these romantic male leads. He comes out all of a sudden, um, not a single uh, romantic male lead after that. Now he's just, you know, the, the gay best friend in every movie. So, you know, I would love a world where everybody can play everybody. But I think it's disingenuous to say that, you know, the best person should get the role because that only applies to straight people right now. And yeah. until that applies to <laughs> gay men who don't get pigeonholed as the gay best friend after they come out in Hollywood, then I do think there, there is a major problem um, with that. Yeah, I agree. I agree. The philosophy, you know, the best person for the job. And I certainly think Taryn, I mean, like, you know, physical similarity and singing voice and just fantastic casting, I think, like, great. But like you said, yeah, it's true. The door doesn't swing both ways in that mm -hmm. yes straight folks usually uh you know or cisgendered folks get to play one way you know they can play trans individuals or queer individuals or what have you but then uh people's suspension of disbelief sort of when it's the other direction it's it's very hard for them sometimes to imagine in situations yeah. but i agree too that like i mean this is an elton sanctioned casting so um that's cool too something funny i noticed though because so many people were asking this question is that you can tell that Taryn kind of got media handled and PR prepped to mm. like, they like mind him for, well, have you ever kissed a guy or like done anything? And like, mm. so in a lot of these interviews, he's like, uh, well, uh, like a friend came out to me once or like when I was 14, <laughs> I thought I might be gay for like a year and I talked to someone about it, but then I wasn't. And like, on the other hand, I do, I, I mean, that doesn't benefit me as a queer person to hear that and be like, oh, now you are, a, the, you know yeah. what I mean? So I wish they didn't have to do these stunts. I don't know who really that's for. Does that make sense? Yeah, no, it it it, it, it definitely makes sense. Um, I, I think, you know, I don't know. I, I it's, it, it's, it's a tricky situation and hopefully... No, hopefully hopefully one day it will be more 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 equal but yeah on on like the the media tours yeah i i i i don't really know well one thing i will say is that i'm glad they're asking them those questions um um on on those tours but uh but yeah you know no knowing that they had a had a crisis management or pr plan ahead of time and coached them through 
I don't know. I, I can see the business side of that, but you know, if they had just hired a gay person, they wouldn't have to. They wouldn't have had to uh, had to have done that. Um, <laughs> what, what are your thoughts, Robert? Well, I mean, so often I like I recall back in the day when when a movie came out and there was a straight guy playing uh, a gay role. Quite often, the interviews uh, devolved into joking it off. Uh, and being like, oh yeah, oh well, uh, you know, yeah, I did. But and it's like so, a weird way of like proving your straightness by laughing off the fact that you were playing an intimate gay scene or something like that, or playing a gay person with feelings. And uh, for me, I, I would, I don't watch those kind of interviews anyways. Like I don't want to watch those interviews where you sit the actor down in the chair with the poster behind them and it's just like, <laughs> you know, question journalist or journalist with quotes around it uh, after a reporter just asking these questions. And quite honestly, it, they get asked the same questions like 20 times in a row on those, mm. uh, those kind of uh, media tours. And quite honestly, like prep better is all I would say is like, come on, you know, you're going to get asked this a whole bunch. You're in the movie, like plan it out. Like there are so many queer people out there that they could just pay to consult as well. It's like throw some queer people, some money for that at least. And then you'll have an answer that sounds sensitive to the community that you're trying to represent. Like, it's not actually that hard to fathom. So, like, I don't mind, I don't, I've said before, I don't mind straight people playing gay, but it's like, just do some fucking homework, you know? (laughs) Yeah, I also don't mind, too. I I almost felt like, but, yeah, like, I felt like they were forcing him, or not forcing it just like I don't need that sort of ally virtue signaling. I get you're a straight person oh. and that's okay and you were great in the film. You don't need to tell me that you have a gay friend and like therefore it makes you know what I mean? Like that's okay. Yeah. I, I, I will say when there's a straight person playing playing gay, um, I, I do kind of look like I, I don't know, like there there's some you know, obviously we're, we're all gay here and we've been around gay people and there there is something I'm looking for in the portrayal. Um, and it, with, with Taron, it did still feel, although he did really great and I think he did, you know, cause as best as he could and he did great with, with the singing and he's out the look, I didn't quite get like, you know, I don't want to stereotype, but like there, there is like that gay essence, and you know, there, there, and you don't necessarily <laughs> have to be gay, but like say with, um, I would say a great example is like with, with Jake Gyllenhaal, um, in uh, Brokeback Mountain, like I could feel his desire, and I feel like with Elton John, with Taron Edgerton, like I felt like it was a straight guy doing a playing a gay guy like I didn't feel his desire for like the 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 men in the scene like I didn't it didn't come I don't know like that that's my opinion I felt it I I felt the heat (laughs) oh really (laughs) it is warm in Toronto right now that's right yeah maybe it was the humidity but yeah no I felt uh that didn't it didn't flag for me but I hear you I looked for it definitely I feel like another good example is like say with with Hugo Weaving in 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 Priscilla, um, Queen of the Desert. You know he's also a a straight actor, but he made me I don't know I just I just felt it a little bit more. You know what I mean? And even I don't think in that one he even had any like like sex scenes or anything. There there was just some for some reason I don't even know what it is. It, there was just like do I believe this person as a gay character or don't I? Um, 
And for this one, I kind of didn't. I kind of didn't. Do you um, mean just specifically speaking to his, like, the way he portrayed attraction to other men? Attraction to other men, but just more, you know, even even if he couldn't totally, you know, like, you know, I'll put it this way. Like, even before, like, in public, even before Elton John came out, it was kind of like, okay, we, we kind of know you're gay, Elton John. So when he came out, even when he was married to a woman, it's like, okay, when are you going to come out? With this... I, I didn't get that sense. Like, I feel like if this was the real life Elton John, nobody would have said, okay, when are you coming out? They would have been like, okay, yeah, you're married to a girl. That makes sense. Like, I didn't get that feeling. I don't, I don't know. I don't know what it is. I just, there, there wasn't the believability that he was gay, if, if that makes sense. Robert, uh, <laughs> I'm like, well, I'm, just, I'm Robert, trying to gather my thoughts on this because I'm like, I'm like, I'm trying, time. I'm, I'm actually trying to gather my sense. Like, do I care enough to make, uh, get make my opinion known on this? Because, uh, like, I, I like, I agree with you, Vong, and uh, and my reasoning for why you probably felt that way is because the director and the editing put so much artifice into the movie and to, you know to make the gay fantasy stuff. Like, you, you know, you're right when 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 uh, Elton John is in that scene where, like, it's all these, like, hot, writhing bodies, like, putting him, like, sort of doing, like, a mosh pit kind of thing, floating him oh. over. Um, interestingly enough, what what you see going on as a choice uh, in that scene is that it's more about the drugs and mm. what he's going through that way and how that was connected to the sex. Not in a punishment sort of way, but, like, it didn't really allow you to focus on the sex because he was because we it was already established he was incredibly drugged as well. Um, and I don't necessarily like the correlation between those two things in that scene, but that's definitely something that would then take you out of this idea of him being truly a gay man uh, in and feeling the, those feelings. I, I'm probably somewhere in the middle where it's like it came in and out where it's like, oh, yeah, he's playing a gay guy. And then it's like, oh, no, this is a straight actor playing a gay guy. Um, and sometimes And sometimes it felt like it was an editor writing choice where... Yeah. quite honestly, there were moments in this movie where it didn't feel like it really knew what it was, where it was trying to be an earnest biopic or, try, or like trying to achieve that moment, but you just had, you know, uh, fireworks and, uh, you know, a child at the bottom of a swimming pool in a diving outfit. So, you know, it's like, it was trying, I, the fact that it was trying to be so many things for so many people, I can see why you would feel dissatisfied that way, Vong. Absolutely. Also, this is not uh, actual an editing choice of the film, but the scene you're talking about, Robert, where it was in the club and he's sort of like getting, there are people, all these people around him and they're like half naked and touching him and it's druggy and it's sexy. For some reason, my version of the film started displaying Spanish subtitles at this part. And I couldn't, I couldn't turn them off and nothing was on for Spanish. So I was like, oh, maybe it's a choice. Maybe he's like in Mexico City or something now. And so I started to try to construct this narrative that was not taking place. So I think I'm, I might have to bow out of that part of the conversation because I still think it happened in Mexico. Oh, goodness. goodness. Yeah. Um, Great tax credits in Mexico. So maybe it was. That's right. That's right. I'm the, I go around telling everyone, I love how Elton John spent all those years in Mexico. I never knew that about him. <laughs> um, okay. So just to, uh, just to wrap up the review, um, I'll, I'll, first I'll go back to Robert um, and then over to Trevor is, would you recommend this movie um, to uh, your best friend or basically to anybody? Uh 
I so I would recommend it with a caveat that it's like go in just suspend your disbelief and have a good time because it's going to have some fantastical moments, and I think. Uh, when, if, as long as you don't go in being like, I want the an earnest biopic, like the Ray Charles biopic or, you know, like Tina Turner biopic or, or what have you, that's not what you're going to get. Uh, it's definitely, a, I would call it a gay fantasia of uh, an Elton <laughs> John memoir, you know, and, and once you know that, you're going to enjoy it is my opinion. So yes, I would recommend it. Okay. And over to you, Trevor. Uh, yeah, I, I would say it's a musical. It's an, a musical about Elton John, um, and uh, if you like musicals, then you, then uh, th- this might hit for you. But I agree with you. It's not. I would not in any way describe this as like maybe watch it and then go to Wikipedia and just make sure you have your facts in order as far as like biopic wise. <laughs> but yeah, it's not. It's not a dramatic retelling of Elton John's life, although it is. But it's also a musical. You know what? That kid, the kid at the bottom of the pool, put that in any movie and I'd recommend it. That's a great scene. <laughs> yes. Yeah, a a child in friends. So, but go on. A child in scuba gear. We got we like, we to always yeah. remember it's not a child at the bottom of a pool. That's right. <laughs> to like... clarify, the child was breathing and excelling at piano. Yeah. Yes. This is not. Oh, God. <laughs> uh, go, go. Random fact: I've never learned how how to swim, so that's a little bit traumatizing. Ooh. Um but you need so one of those suits in, then, Vong, with the little yeah, head if bubble. If I was in if I was in a pool, I would be in scuba gear, like like Perfect. that kid. <laughs> um, now, I, I I would I would also recommend this movie. Obviously, I've seen it multiple times. Like, it's it's nice, like like Robert said, it is kind of like Fantasia because you know. When I was younger, we would just put Fantasia on in the background. It's, it's not really something like it is good to pay attention the first time. So I actually saw this in the theater, so I like really paid attention. Mm-hmm. But then afterward, you can just kind of have it on, um, you know. Because I'm the type of person who has TV on when I'm like washing dishes or when I'm, yeah. you know, doing website stuff or YouTube stuff. Um, so it's sort of that nice thing where you can kind of pay attention and not really pay attention. Um, but I, I definitely think think it's worth it. And as far as, I don't know, from the perspective, at least for me, I can't speak for everybody, but from the perspective of, like, I'm a huge Elton John fan, and I just wanted a celebration of his life, and I wanted to hear some of his songs. It definitely delivered. Um, it definitely yeah. delivered that. Um, uh, uh, so we're, we're going to take a very short break, um, and after the break, we are going to jump into segment number two, where we discuss a topic plucked from the themes of the movie and this week's topic is um gay icons who've influenced our lives so stay tuned judy was boring hello then judy discovered chumbacasino.com it's my little escape now judy's the life of the party oh baby mama's bringing home the bacon whoa take it easy judy the Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. 
No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details. What up, what up, listeners? Welcome to, uh, or actually welcome back to You Better Represent. Uh, thanks for staying with us through that short commercial break. We are now into our second segment where we discuss a topic plucked, uh, plucked, uh, plucked from the themes of the movie. And this week's movie is the Elton John biopic Rocket Man. And our topic of the week is gay icons who have influenced our lives and now i'm gonna first head over to robert because he is dressed as a gay icon um elton john or at least influence a little bit influence. definitely there's influence this glittery this glittery top that i'm wearing was something that was given to me as part of a, a gig i was doing selling fragrances at the bay and they're like so the bottle's gold so you have to wear this and i was like i do <laughs> okay the pleasure is, is all mine Oh, there's something wonderful being about being a double Canadian comedy award winner and still being told you have to wear a glitter thing and spray people with fragrance as your job. Uh, but, you know, uh, but as much as uh, Elton John definitely, I think I would listen to Elton John when I was a, a teenager. It was introduced to me by a friend and I was like, oh, this is great music. This is so fantastic. But in regards to being like an icon that I that influenced me, I his... His lyrics and his story of who he is didn't speak to me in quite the same way. Um, and perhaps because his story existed in the past, the one of the, the gay icons that was really uh, instrumental in, you know, my emotional state of being and, and everything when I, when I was coming out and, you know, becoming a more confident gay man was listening to Rufus Wainwright, actually. Mm. Uh, a very, you know, very, like one of those, and actually someone who was very much um, recommended and championed by Elton John, actually. If you look at his early mm. career, he was talked about quite a bit. And Elton John was like, this is a guy, and they sang songs together. Uh, mm. Rufus did a song on Elton John's Christmas album. Um, but Rufus's lyrics really spoke to me at the time, and I mean, I just love the musicality, uh, his lyrics, and the fact that he was uh, writing and singing very openly gay songs. Uh, you know, his, when he was talking about someone he was in love with, no ambiguity, he was talking about a man. Um, and, you know, the orchestration, the... the it just just the all of it. Like he just wasn't afraid to just be all of it in a genre that isn't a rock star genre. Like it is like piano chamber music, you know, with orchestration. Uh, but it really spoke to me. And that was an influence for me. Like, Oh gosh. I mean, hours and hours and hours of songs just on repeat, you know, uh, from, from Rufus Wainwright as a comedian, I do have, uh, a queer icon, uh, that I've always looked up to. One of my biggest inspirations for comedy is uh, Eddie Izzard, uh, who is uh, yeah. is you know re recently announced that their their transition and wanting to have uh, she her pronouns and that that's so great. Actually, got a chance. Uh, Eddie is in town right now and was in town a couple weeks ago uh, doing their uh, sort of like greatest hits remixed. And my husband got us tickets to go see it, and it was just so great to be and like and we're in a pandemic and like it's like you know the, the things have loosened up enough that we were able to go to a socially distanced uh, the theatrical production watching eddie on stage and it was it, it was so great uh mm. 
you know, it's funny when when a comedian isn't necessarily doing their top material anymore, or they're repeating it a little bit too much, uh, mm-hmm. which is sort of where Eddie is at in their career right now, at least from what I saw on the show. But just something about seeing someone's them still working and just being more and more their uh, authentic self. Because Eddie, when they first started doing comedy, you know, was was leaning into the, what other people were saying about them, like you're a transvestite, you're a crossdresser. Uh, and that was also the language that was being used at the time that they best knew how to describe themselves then. And just to watch Eddie's growth and see them come into their own and still be just incredibly funny and happier than they've ever been. I, I actually, I do idolize Eddie quite a bit and, uh, that, yeah, they've, they've influenced everything, everything I do. <laughs> like I wear boots on stage. I love wearing high heel boots on stage. As you know, Vong, you know, I mean, mm-hmm. yes, you know how much I, I love, love the boots. boots. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I have more than one pair. I just want you to know. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, yeah, Eddie, Eddie, I just love the, just be, be exactly what you want to be on stage, you know, project who you are and be unapologetic about it. So there, there's what I think about my gay icons anyway. Sorry, that was long winded, but you know, I was feeling no, feelings. That was great. No, that was great. That gave <laughs> us a lot of, that gave us a lot of insight into, uh, into who you are and your influences. Uh, <laughs> let's head on over to, uh, to Trevor Campbell. How is, uh, um, what are some gay icons who've influenced your life? Yeah, I think the biggest one, the first one that comes to mind who's huge for me was Ani DeFranco. Do you guys know Ani DeFranco? Oh my gosh, Ani yes. <gasps> Ani DeFranco for me, I discovered Ani in high school. Which I don't need, it was like this cool girl I know who is like a skater and a raver, yeah. uh, listened to Ani DeFranco, and I was like, how does this music exist because it's not on the radio? And in my mind, it was like, if you're a musician and you're good and famous, you get in the radio, and then just discovering this, what to me felt like a secret world of music, and like what you said about Rufus, hearing someone sing really queer and kind of like sexual and punk lyrics in such a unique way was really exciting for me. And it would be a thing. It was like my litmus test subconsciously for other people. When I found out they knew who Ani DeFranco was before I was out, it was basically me being knowing like, Oh, this is someone who like could accept me or might accept me. Uh, So it was my gateway question to like, yeah, I could be like, do you know Ani DeFranco? Do you like Ani DeFranco? Instead of having to say, I'm gay, do you accept me? Uh, so yeah, Ani, big time. Uh, I did dabble in a bit of, you know, I did make some mistakes in that era too. I was a Lisa Loeb fan. But we all, we grow and we learn and we change. So it's okay. Lisa, no hate. When you were, when you peaked, you peaked. I'll tell you that. Uh, hey, I, I, you know what? She had such an impact with with Lisa that one song. Uh, I I stay. still know the lyrics in my head, so that's uh, that's something to say decades later. Oh yeah, um, she had a second album. She had a few albums. Yeah, yeah, but she had a second one that charted a little. But yeah, yeah, yeah she's and dressed up as a honeybee or something. I remember in the second <laughs> album for for some reason. Um, Live your truth, Lisa. <laughs> <laughs> um, okay, so for me with Kate Icon. Definitely Elton John for sure, which is which is why we we chose the movie Rocket Man to review this week. But Elton John, you know, I I actually didn't know who he was until 
probably two big moments was the Lion King and then the death of Princess Diana um, mm-hmm. were two mm-hmm. huge moments. And then, you know, because I, I I'm a child of the 80s, so I wasn't, you know, alive in the 70s when he was really coming up. But then that made me go back and I went through all his albums, had multiple of his I had every album and then I bought all the greatest hits, even though I already had the albums because (laughs) back then you couldn't make a playlist. I was like, sometimes I want to hear the hits. Sometimes I wanted to hear the album. Oh, that's so cute. So, you know, that was uh, way back in the day. He was, I don't know. Yeah, he's, he's, I feel like I'm probably too biased a reviewer to even review that movie because it's impossible <laughs> for me not to like a project that Elton John um, has, has, has done. Except for the thing he did with Justin Timberlake because my hatred for Justin Timberlake overthrows my fondness of um, of uh, of Elton John. I don't know the thing about trains or whatever. Anyway, yeah, this I, train I, don't stop here anymore. Yeah, I took that song out of my rotation. I just can't hear Dustin's voice. <laughs> it it um, don't stop at Vong's house. Apparently no. not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um, you know, going going on the music train and more currently, you know, I have to give a shout out to uh, to Lil Nas X. He is really really pushing wow, nice. especially in the guy. especially in the genres of rap and at least his first song, a little bit of country to to sort of push um his well not push but you know to be open about who he is um and be unapologetic i think it's it's super amazing um he's he's such an icon um and then you know taking it out of music um here's a weird one but rock hudson strangely was it was a huge and there was something there's something about like growing up just like the tragedy of you know, he wasn't able to live his life the way he wanted to until he was near death. Um, and just hearing, you know, it was less like an inspirational story of success. Obviously, he was very successful, but, you know, just sort of, you know, the sadness he had to live his life through that, that affected me in, in say, a different way than like Elton John, because Elton John was just more of a celebration. And then, you know, and I know this is supposed to be more about, you know, like gay icons, but I, I, I do want to throw out to um to to a lesbian icon of mine which is martina navratilova because growing up i was huge in the sports i played basically every <laughs> every every sport you can imagine and her coming out and people would find it so crazy now but the drama this woman had to go through because she wanted to yeah, play in was. shorts instead of a skirt where she was like it's just more functional like a skirt didn't have pockets. Like, I'm going to play tennis without pockets. She was like, I'm just going to put the ball in my pocket of my shorts mm-hmm. instead of, <laughs> like, it didn't, she was like, it didn't even make sense to wear a skirt. Like, how could you play tennis without pockets? So she just took a stand and <laughs> wore pockets and she got crucified. And, you wow. know, even to this day, she's, she's, she's such a huge icon. Obviously, um, Billie Jean King as well um so you know definitely um a lot of tennis pioneers and then back to comedy i'll say um you know a gay comedian legend bob smith who is the first ever um openly gay male to um be featured on the tonight show and a bit of trivia he is also the father of elvira kurtz um children Oh, amazing. Yeah, he is a huge gay icon. Um, I had the pleasure of... So I'd actually taken about like five years away from comedy. And my first show back um, was actually... Because it was a show, it was a tribute for Bob Smith. And even though I was in retirement, I couldn't say no. I was like, 
obviously I'm going to do a tribute to Bob Smith. And then, you know, it kind of, you know, from there, as, as Robert knows, once you get the roar of the crowd, it's sort of tough to step away. So that's sort of how my, my career, I was, you know, it's, you know, you, you think you've moved away and they, they hook you right back in with something you can't say. (laughs) You're never allowed to retire again, Pong. You're not allowed to retire. (laughs) The world needs you as a comedian. I mean, they need they need you in general, but like we need we need your your unique take on things. So I'm glad that you're out of retirement now. For how many years are you out of retirement, Vaughn? I think, you know, it's it's kind of tough to say because with the pandemic, time has sort of like collapsed. Oh, it's so true. But I would say I kind of removed the pandemic years because you know. So I would say so prior to the um, to the to the comedy special at CBC, the rice taping, mm-hmm. I had been back for two years. So I had a two year plan to get to there. Um, <sighs> and then I guess there's been the pandemic another two years, but it doesn't feel like I've been back for four years because two of those years, I haven't been able to even like get up on stage. <laughs> so it feels a little, you know, um, I'm back, but I, I would say maybe I'll, I'll sort of, I'll sort of, uh, cut the difference and say I've been back for three years, but I guess you're I'm being hard on yourself. Um, um, but yeah, this is no. some like snaky narrative, not unlike rocket man to tie it back. We're like, Vong, I feel like you're, you're, you're doing some creative <laughs> life math here. There was just like a smash cut where you fireworked up into an airplane and suddenly time changed. <laughs> you know what? I am. Um, I've definitely been more along the lines of, um, of like, of the importance of narrative. So my, my boyfriend actually, he works in, in politics and he's more like fact based. Um, actually he's going to get mad that I, that I say this live on, um, on air, but like he, uh, I for the first few years, I used to call him my fact checker boyfriend because like, (laughs) I'm, I'm just more, I was like, the facts don't matter as much as like the narrative. And he would always be like, no, but facts do matter. And, um, you know, I feel like, I feel like, uh, I feel like, um, yeah, but uh, it, you, it you cited the Hollywood way. Reporter very well at the start of this conversation, so I feel like he's had an influence <laughs> on you. <laughs> well, you know, five years later, he's he's definitely rubbed off on me, and uh, and, and <laughs> I probably shouldn't have said rubbed off, but anyway, um, <laughs> you had an influence Disgusting. on me. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, well, uh, I I, I want to thank you, um, Trevor, <laughs> for that... coming on the show, giving us your that. your your thoughts, Robert, of course, always being with us for all our gay reviews on the You Better Represent podcast trevor i want to say welcome to the sonar network family we are so happy to have you on um would you like to uh to talk a bit about your podcast yes thank you thank you for having me i'm very happy to be uh the the foster child of sonar what's i don't i'm not sure of my legal status now we'll say foster (laughs) for now we're trying it out my podcast is called you made me queer with an exclamation point uh, each episode, I invite uh, 2S LGBTQIA plus person to point the finger of blame at who and or what made them queer. Because, of course, as we know, uh, anyone who's queer is made queer. The gay agenda is real. My podcast <laughs> exists for people to call it out where it belongs. And it comes out every other Thursday. Uh, you can get it anywhere you get podcasts. We're in our second season now. So my first season mm. with Sonar... But you can go back and listen to the first season. We have some really amazing guests like 
uh, Jinx Monsoon, winner of RuPaul's Drag Race Season 5, mm. Heather Matarazzo from The Princess Diaries and Welcome to the Dollhouse, uh, lots of people, Canadian comedy legend Gavin Crawford, blah, blah, blah. Mm -hmm. So go check it out. Um, it's fun. I'm a queer person. That's all. <laughs> amazing. Amazing. Yes, definitely, definitely check out Trevor's podcast you made me queer exclamation you know on you better represent we love the exclamations as yes. well there's um, an exclamation point punctuation <laughs> um, yeah i also want to thank our audience for um for tuning in we will be back next week with a, another episode i believe we are reviewing kill bill with an <gasps> all asian um, review and now generally we do minority led films obviously Quentin Tarantino is not a visible minority but sometimes we do films where people appropriate um, Asian culture and then uh, sort of have an all Asian panel to talk about how we feel mm -hmm. about that person especially you know it's just a bit of a preview for my thoughts on it is that, you know, I feel like we are more okay with him appropriating Bruce Lee in Kill Bill, including Bruce Lee's outfit, until he made a mockery of Bruce Lee in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. Then maybe we weren't so happy with him. But uh, so uh, there will That's be That's going to be a can of worms to open <laughs> up next time. My lips are burning already. <laughs> yeah, and I guarantee it'll be very one-sided because uh, it'll be all Asians. <laughs> we will not have the white straight male perspective to defend Quentin Tarantino. Perfect. So um, there will be nobody to hold back my rage on how upset I am with him. Um, let it out. <laughs> Bring it on. <laughs> um, okay, that ends another week of the You Better Represent podcast. I'm your host, Vong Show, official spokesperson for gay, super cute Asians. And that's <laughs> what's up. This podcast has been brought to you by the Sonar Network. Sonar!